Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. We talk to a different creative person every week, and this week my guest is Emmy-winning star of stage, screen, and a lot of tunes, it's Miley Flanagan. And uh, Miley's going to soon be seen in L.A. on stage in voice lessons by Justin Tanner alongside French Stewart and Laurie Metcalf. It's a genius show. I've seen it uh, a few times back in the day when it first ran, and now I'm going back um, this month, and I'm so excited about it. Okay, more on Miley in a bit. First, a little housekeeping. I would love it if you went to DennisAnyone.net because there's so much fun stuff you can do there. You can see the pictures that go with the podcast. Sometimes I'll talk about something and take a picture. Uh, you can also leave a little donation in the tip jar through PayPal. It helps me pay for things like web hosting and materials and, and parking when I go visit people and stuff like that. And it's really, really appreciated. Um, you can also send me an email at DennisAnyonePodcast at gmail.com. And if you can think of a question that I should put in the observation deck, uh, shoot me a, an email and we'll put it in there because I'm, I'm running out of questions. I mean, I got a lot, but, you know, there's always fun to have new ones in there. Um, also, if you're listening for the first time, I hope you like what you're hearing and I hope you subscribe. Maybe check it out and go uh, write an email on, uh, write a review on iTunes. There's all kinds of fun stuff you can do. All right, on to Miley. She has been in movies like 500 Days of Summer, Yes Men, Evan Almighty, on television shows like Lab Rats, Shameless, and Weeds. And she does a lot of work in animated voices. She's been in um, shows like Naruto and Jakers, The Adventures of Piggly Winks, which won her an Emmy and a ton more. So she's got a lot going on. She's a very fun um, interview. And please enjoy the delightful Miley Flanagan. Oh, and go see her in voice lessons, too. Oh, and stick around to the end of the podcast for the So This Happens segment. I'm going to tell you about my genesis. All right, I am here in the San Fernando Valley home of star of stage, screen, and commercials and animated stuff, Miley Flanagan. Hey, Dennis. How are you? I am fantastic. You, she's also a regular at the Mismatch Game playing Danny Bonaducci. That's right. And is it true that you've never watched, watched that shirt? It's a shirt that looks like a torso e, that no. you wear. I bought it on uh, Venice Boulevard. Right. And Because um, it looks like a naked guy's torso. Yeah. And... I'm afraid to wash it. You're afraid I to wash it. Like seven dollars. Yeah, and you don't know it'll fall apart. And I think the paint will yeah, come off. Yeah, um, I'm very excited because you're doing a show called Voice Lessons that I've seen a number of times, and I can't wait to see it again. It's a really funny comedy by Justin Tanner. Yes, and it's you, Laurie Metcalf, and French Stewart. A couple of nobodies. Me and a couple of nobodies. Me? Is it just? It's just the three of you, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Now, I, it, it was the same cast when you guys did it originally. It's been the same cast the whole time, and Lori never wants to do it with anyone else except for French and I. Wow. Because she's, she and French do the brunt of it. I, I have a smaller part, but it's an ensemble, but you'll, when you see it, you know, it's, they're talking away for most of the time, and I just kind of. You come show in up and, and tear some shit up. Tear some shit up <clears throat> and leave. But tell yeah. us about the, the plot, even though I know the it's, plot very well. The, the plot is, uh, it's not a huge plot, it's, but it's a funny show. We like to say it's like it, you don't know what hit, hits you. We were considering using the marketing tag, it's so short you won't lose your buzz. Yeah. It's, it's like an hour long. It's like 65 minutes. It's, yeah, French Stewart calls it comedy rape, being comedy raped by Laurie Metcalf. He's like, and then I get comedy raped by Laurie Metcalf. And then I come out and I get comedy raped by her. Um, it's just sort of a... 
punch in the face of this woman who wants to take voice lessons from this kind of down on this down on his luck guy. Right. And then I come in in a surprise. Um, and you have a, a yeah. moment. And she she sort of, it's kind of, a, I saw it, remember, when Idol was sort of blowing up, and she had dreams of that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. that stayed the same. The script is the same. It hasn't yeah. been updated, but um, it, it, Justin started writing it when Idol was, you know, real popular. There's a yeah. line in there uh, that she says about, I saw that big fat guy get that recording contract. Yeah. <laughs> now where's mine? Yeah. That's what her character yeah. takes the voice lesson say. So we we leave it in there like that because, you know, who cares? It could be any big fat guy and it, it, on any of those shows. It, could, it really could be. So anyway, she takes voice lessons and, and that's it. And it's it's like a punch in your comedy face for yeah. a solid hour. Now whose idea was it to bring it back? Lori's. Well, you know, as if she's not busy. I know. She's she, on Getting On. She, she's, she's amazing. She's on three shows. She's, she's on that... What McCarthy's. Is, yes. And, and she's I... She's almost unrecognizable. She, I was like, I know that person, but she seemed different. I was yeah, like, oh, that's Yeah, but Lori it's not Metcalf. a wig. It's actually her hair. But it, she's just something about her that yeah. seems different. Uh-huh. She, she, I find, always looks... Her physical... Her face transforms in a way that's insane. She's on Getting On, and she's on the McCarthy's, and she recurs on Big Bang. Right. And then who knows what else? And she's bored. I said, aren't you on three shows? She's like, Miley, I'm bored. Let's do voice lessons. Let's slide it in in February. I got some time. I was like, all right. And in the meantime, she picked up another play that's going to be, we're doing our play at the Atwater uh, Village Theater. Right on. And um, she's rehearsing another play that's going in right after voice lessons to the same space. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she has kids. So she's like ferocious as an actor. She loves yeah. it, right? She gets it's, into it. She's not Hollywoody. Oh, she is. The, I mean, I was, I went over and ran lines at her house and we were both hungry. So we went to the Coral Cafe of course. in Burbank. Yeah. It's so They glamorous. have every kind of food there, by the way. But they also make fresh baked turkeys. So yeah. I was like, come on, Lori. And she's like, oh, sounds great. So we sat and ran lines in a booth at the Coral with like 500 old people around yeah. us. And, um, last time I went there, there was a painting class happening in one of the dining rooms. Oh, in the back. Like they were boozy and then they were painting. Oh, I love Coral that. is the shit. Yeah. They have good food. They have good food. I actually was there yesterday too. Yeah. So they're like, Hey, how you doing? I used to go there and write fashion police jokes and the waitress oh, would go, Oh, I like that dress or I don't like that dress or whatever. Yeah. Oh, it was, really? It's cute. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. So she knew you were writing? Yeah. Cause I told, I'd go in there like every week late at night when it was one of the late nights and. Yeah, so... Because it's open 24 hours. It's open 24-7. Yeah. Anyway. But anyway, she's very, very down-to-earth, you know, and she's just, um... She loves to work, and, you know, it's funny to her, if she's not doing a play, she's not working. And French is on Mom. He's on the TV show Mom. Yeah. He does some stuff with serial killers. His wife is preparing... There's a show called Serial Killers, or he literally does stuff with serial killers? <laughs> I've never heard of this At show. At Sacred Fools, it's a late night thing. Oh, right on. Okay. So he'll do that sometimes. He's on Mom. He's rehearsing this. He has a little baby, and his wife is preparing to take her show, Louie and Keeley, live to the Royal George Theater in Chicago. So he's got a very busy life. So we're literally, like, slamming it in there in three weekends, and we can only do it Saturdays and Sundays because Friday nights he tapes mom. Yeah. And we wanted to do four shows, but Equity wouldn't let us do four in two days. So that's a bummer. Yeah. Lori would do 16 in a weekend if she could. That's amazing. And she talks the entire play. It's so, so funny and fun and Thanks. crazy. I can't wait to see it. Um, now, you have an Emmy sitting right over here. A broken Emmy. A broken Emmy. Now, yours is broken, too? Everyone that I know with they, Emmys is broken. They yeah. must be... Like, when I go out of town, sometimes I hide it. And um, I took it out of where I was 
hiding it so glamorous and the ball came off so i'm like what you know the globe yeah of course so it's just sitting on her head i gotta get it fixed of course i emailed the emmys and they were like did you get it at the daytime emmys or uh at the nighttime you know primetime emmys i said well it's not a daytime emmy but i got it at the daytime ceremony because it's for um best performance in an animated um show that's amazing. What's the show? It was called Jakers The Adventures of Piggly Minks. Right on. And I was the lead. And um, I have some toys of the, the character. Look at that. So that's who we... That has my voice. That toy has my voice. I should... We're going to take a picture of it to post on the website. Yeah. So what did he sound like? Does he just sound like you? Uh, no. He's got an Irish accent. He's a little kid. Maybe he's, maybe he's a little bit younger than that. As far as I remember. That's amazing. Yeah. He's kind of old. Uh, he's kind of old-fashioned. Yeah. He's sweet. I could tell I like it's him. cute. And yeah. uh, the artwork was amazing. And Mel Brooks was in it. Wow. Did you and record then, with him? And uh, then Joan Rivers did the last two seasons. Wow. In it. Did yeah. you meet her when you were doing it? I did not meet her. I met Mel. I swear to God, he thinks I, I was the lead. But he would do his stuff separately because his st- stuff was all kind of separate. Yeah. He wasn't interacting with us. He played like a sheep. Yeah. Like a funny sheep. And the rest of us were there all the time together recording, but uh, so we did a couple. We did a couple sessions with him. Which now? But but he. We were doing kind of fake sessions, like for the electronic press kit. Right. We weren't really doing. It, they were filming us. Right. So I, I swear to God, I think he thought I got coffee or something. But <laughs> <laughs> what was he like? Did he you, was, what's your favorite thing that you remember about you him? Can imagine you would want him to be. Yeah. He was real funny. I'll tell a funny story about him. He. Uh, there was a guy that worked on the show, and the guy, uh, you know, wasn't the vocal director. He was just a guy. I won't say who he was. And he was a very important person in the process. But Mel had done, uh, recorded done his lines. And, the, you know, we were all, it was a period cartoon, like, in Ireland back in the 50s, right? Right. So um, it was like a grandfather that would go back and tell stories of his youth, and that that's what the show was. So, except for Mel, was like this... New York Jewish, like, right? Like sheep. Right? How does he fit into that world? Yeah, uh, you just believe it. Yeah, it, you know, and it, it's funny. So they wrote it for him, and that's who they had in mind, and he did it. So anyway, he did did a line, and this guy from the back, not the director, said, "You know, Mel, uh, I think maybe you should try it like this." And you know, it's kind of like, like he did it in the most Mel Brooksy way. Mel had done a line, right? And the guy goes, well, "Maybe it should be like this." Like he gave him a line reading, and Mel right. goes. Oh, uh, you think? Okay. And he did it. And it was just like lead. Wow. And the guy just slumped back and never said a word again. Wow. Because it was like, you don't, Mel Brooks is Mel Brooks. Yeah, you like He wasn't a jerk about it, though. No, that's good. He he just did his thing. Now, the first time I saw you that I remember was in a Justin Tanner play, wrote voice lessons, called Oklahoma. Or was it Wife Swappers? I think it was All right, Swappers. So which one came first? Wife Swappers. Wife Swappers. Mm-hmm. Um, with one of my favorite lines, Save Room for Cock. Oh, yeah. It's basically <laughs> this, this like, suburban swinging group, and, but, and the orgy's happening off screen, and then they all come out for yeah. snacks. And it's all about the snacks. It's all Ooh. about... It's what's, what's this? Ooh, don't eat, the, don't eat too much, honey. Save room for cock, and, or whatever. And, and, yeah, save room. And we... I, what I love about Justin's writing is that, like, within the course of the play, there are two recipes that we deliver. Yeah. Just in chatting. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's so easy. You just, you know, I can't remember what it is. It's like, 
Well, what I do is I carve it out, then I put the cream cheese in there, then I roll it in egg fix, and then I put it in a thing and brown it in oil. You know, it's like, yeah. it's just rattled off, like, right. conversation. But there are two, not one, but two recipes in his play about swingers. That had a great cast. Todd Lowe, Ellen Ratner. Yeah. Um, Jody Carlisle. John Palmer, who's one of his regulars. I love Justin's plays. I've seen them all a million times. And, yeah. and then Oklahoma, I have this image of you... Under the table. Under the table, but something sexy was happening. Um, Oklahoma. Ted's character and Billy Wright's character were having sex on top of the table. Yeah. Or they were talking about it and getting sort of physical. Yeah. They were talking about how they were going to have sex. And they're kind of rattling the table, and I was underneath it because I had been adjusting the oh, table. Oh, yeah. And it was an uncomfortable moment where I'm under the... You're like the stage manager, manager, right? But, but you were sort of uptight and not... Very cool uptight and very religious. Yeah, and, um, but you, you were trying to do a good job, so you were steadying yeah, the I was, table. I was like a really obnoxious... Yeah. Sta- but the reason why I did that action is because uh, I used to know Tim Roth a bit. and right, I mean, I still actor. know him, but I just don't see him. Right. But I was with him the day that he got nominated for an Oscar. And we all went out and boosted up. And what movie did he get nominated um, for? The, Scot- the Scottish one. You know, that violent one. Tinker Taylor? No. No, no, no. With the, it was like the same year as Braveheart, but not okay. that one. Okay. All right. Um, with Jessica Lange. Okay. So I said, oh my God, what a horrific scene that is between you and Jessica Lange. Because he assaults her. Right. And it, it's over a... Um, table or right. something like a table and he said the funniest thing about that was we had to have a pa underneath the table holding it while he's like raping her yeah and so in between takes he and jessica lang were just laughing because there's this person yeah underneath the table and that's where i threw that in oh that, that, so that was something like hey what if my character did this yeah, that's yeah. so cool because it's such a weird yeah it was thing. so, so funny because you're just there holding on for dear yeah. life and they're doing this intimate thing up above you yeah now, you've got it going on with animation, and yeah. then you also pop up all the time in film and TV. Yeah. What's the ratio for you in terms of, like, I do probably more of this or um, that? In the last couple of years, I've done a lot more TV than commercials. Yeah. I have a couple of commercials running right now. Geico Spot that everybody sees before their Hulu programs. Right. you got to love that. Yeah, I do love it. And Thank um, you. Yeah, thank you. The hardest three hours i worked in my life. Um, and then I'm on this kid's show called Lab Rats. Um, a lot, and then guest shots here and there. Um, yeah. And Lab Rats is live action, right? It's live action yeah, yeah. for Disney XD. But um, I do about 50-50 voice and 50, mostly this year, uh, TV. Yeah. I haven't really done big films lately. You have I, a wonderful career going on. Thank Does you. Does it yeah. seem that way from the inside? Because yeah. I'm like, this is so neat, what yeah, you're doing. Yeah, it, it's kind of, I'm fortunate in, in that I get to do... I, I actually was at Nickelodeon doing a pilot today, some pickups yeah. for an animated pilot. And I did five animated pilots this past year. And I don't know which ones will get picked up. And then I'm a regular on this show called Naruto. I play the lead. Right. And that's been 550 episodes. Wow. Yeah, for almost 10 years. So. And you don't have to do your hair or anything when you go no, out. Uh-uh. You can wear whatever course, you want. The parts I play, I usually don't do my hair. <laughs> no. Not, they don't hire me to be glamorous. <laughs> Were voices always something you could do? Yeah, I think I would always, like, I grew up overseas, but we would listen to Casey Kasem mm-hmm. and the DJs on American Forces Network. Yeah. And I think I'd always try and do the voice in the song, like, try and sound like, you know, Bruce Springsteen or whatever. But, right. But it wasn't something I aspired to. Like, a lot of people said I wanted to do cartoon voices. I never had that thought. I, I didn't even think I was going to be an actor. I just have this weird voice. And I had an agent on camera who said, you need to go into voiceover. 
And she said, take classes from this person, this person, this person, and this person. Get your demo done by Sue Blue, and you'll start working. And that's exactly what happened. Boom. And then seven years later, I won an Emmy. She's like, do this, 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 and this. And that's what I did. And I'm still with her. Wow, good. Pat Brady, yeah. Yeah, sounds like somebody knew what they were talking about. Oh, she knows, yeah. She knows, exactly. Now, I read you grew up, I didn't know this, you were born in Hawaii. Yep. And your name is Hawaiian. Mm Mm-hmm. What is it Hawaiian for? It's Hawaiian for Mary. It's also a flower. Okay. Like if you, in the airport, you get a Miley Lay, you know. Okay. But um, I didn't really live there. I only lived there when I was a little kid. Okay. Like I don't. Do you remember it? A little, not much, because then I moved to Bangkok. Yes, Then I moved to Nuremberg, then I moved to Munich, then I went to college in Boston, then my parents moved back to the States, I lived in D.C. for about a year, then I moved to Minneapolis, and then I moved here. So all your school years were overseas? Yeah. You never went to, like, American high school, American grammar school, or anything like that? No, no. What did your parents do? Military? My dad was a spy. He was a spy. Your dad was a fucking spy? Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Did you guys know that he was a spy? Um, what, or was he like, hey, I'm just... Uh... Well, we knew he was... I mean, kind of. We knew his... Our address was 66 MI group or something like that. Different... Whatever group he was with. Right. He was a civilian, but he worked for the army. So we kind of knew he was an intelligence and a spy, but we didn't really know what he did. Till we were... Not exactly until we were about 21... I was 21. My brother was 20. My sisters were three and four years older than me. And then he was authorized by Congress to tell his immediate family kind of more exactly what he did. Wow. Were you all gathered around the table and he's like, I have to tell you guys something? At that time, both my sisters were out of the house. My brother and I were home from um, college for Christmas break. We were were in Munich. And uh, I think we were trying to get out out of the house to go to the Hofbrau house or something. Yeah. Take the train downtown, go drinking. And uh, somebody else said, well, I've been authorized by Congress to uh, let you know a little more than I could before. Is that how he sounds? Yeah. He's, he's passed. He and my, par- my parents have both passed. But Sorry. He, uh, they both had strong Boston accents. Right. And very short, little gray-haired people. Right. And uh, he was like, your mother always knew more than I, did, than I could tell you, and I can tell her more now. But, uh, I can tell you I was the chief of counterintelligence for Western Europe. And we were like, bullshit. Wow, that's like a TV show. <laughs> and he's like, yes, I am. When? Tell them. Like, yeah. you have to get my mother to back him up. Wow. Yeah. Did he ever tell you about, like, things he got involved in? Were there any, like, close calls? Or was it cloak um, and dagger stuff? Or was it kind it of... It was cloak and dagger. He didn't talk a lot. Um, one time when he was going in for open heart surgery, he had been retired for several years. Right. He was having open heart surgery. And my wife, Lisa, and I went to the hospital. And we were with him when they were you know, putting him under whatever. And Lisa would love, she loved it whenever he was on a little something to put him under if he had a medical thing because she'd pepper him with questions. Yes, I, yes. I don't have very many stories. I just have a few. But yeah, he he was on secret assignment in um, Vietnam for a couple of years while we lived in Thailand. But all I knew is in the middle of the night, I'd hear the phone ring. The keys would jingle because he kept his, his wallet and his, you know, change and his pants by the door. He'd put on his pants and then he'd be gone for a couple of weeks or something. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was cloak and dagger, I guess. Yeah. What was it like for you growing up all over the place? I mean... I didn't know any different, but I loved it. I mean, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Nuremberg was a little tough. We lived there for a couple of years, but um, it was tough because we went to a pretty bad American army school. Right. And uh, it was rough. I mean, it was a lot of, 
you know, kind of like uh, they used to say to people, you can go to jail or go to the army. Yeah. And that happened a lot. And then those people have kids. <laughs> okay. So you know. I, we got the picture. Yeah. How but we th- lived in the Red Baron commander's old house. Okay. Which was this great old house that had a bomb shelter in it in Firth, Germany. So we lived not on the base. We had an enormous house that was like, it was amazing. You, they hooked you up with a nice place. Yeah. Although for us it sucked because we're like, our friends live in the housing area. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you guys were the, you were in the fancy house. That, yeah. And then the bus that picked us up came from the really crappy housing area. Yeah. So like nobody would let us sit out. Yeah. You know, just, they were like, it's like you, you rich think you're kids. so high and mighty. Yeah. And we were like, what? Did you learn languages when you were living? These yeah. Places? Yeah. When I was a kid, I spoke Thai. Wow. I only remember, you know, some words and how to count stuff. Yeah. Um, some sentences. And then I learned German and I learned Spanish. Where did you need Spanish or you just learned it? Um, I just took it in high school. Wow. And we had to take German. How do you think growing up all over that shaped you as a performer and also as like a, just a person? Oh, I think it really helped. Like, first of all, you got to adapt quickly and make friends quickly. Like yeah. in the position I'm in in my career, most of the time I do a lot of guest stars yeah. or I'm on a film. I'm not on it the whole time. I just come in. It might be a day. It might be a week. If I'm lucky, it's 10 days. Right. So you're always new. It's like the first day of school every time you work. Right. You know? mm-hmm. Which is kind of weird. And some people can be really welcoming to those people, and some people cannot oh, be. And I've, I bet you've got every, every variety of story. I will say that I just did Mike and Molly, which will be out in May, March, I think. And uh, that was the most welcoming set I've ever been on in Hollywood. Really? Yeah, it was from the top down. And I cannot say enough good things about it. Melissa McCarthy and Ronnie Reed and the entire cast, all the men and women. It was Susie Kurtz and special guest star that they'll announce. I love uh, it. Yeah, it was in the crew. I mean, it was just fit. When Michael I, McDonald directed me. You oh, know? yeah, from Groundlings. Mad, and Matt TV. Yeah. yeah, Matt TV. Did you just do one episode? Yeah. Yeah, awesome. I don't think I'll be back. I don't yeah. think they're going to go back there. Did you perform when you were growing up? Did you do plays and stuff? Or I did when I was real little and then... We didn't have a drama department in my... Yeah. And, and I went to college for poli-sci and math. In Boston, I, right? In Boston College. But I yeah. I took... Um, I was part of an improv group with Nancy Carell. Right. Steve Carell's Nancy wife. Was, yeah. Uh, and Wayne Wilderson, you know. I know the name. He's African-American. He was the Wamu guy and the Fruit of the okay. guy. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's on TV a lot. Um, a guy named Kevin um, Capic and Peter Savetta and Tom McCarthy who wrote... The station agent, yes. the visitor, win-win. He was on yes. the wire. Yeah, I like that guy. Yeah, Andrea Hutchman. She's done a. So you guys were just this little improv group in Boston. We were at BC with other people, and then we splintered off. And I said, you know, I, I think I want to keep this going. I had applied to be a spy, and I was accepted, but I was waiting for an assignment. And then I, I, uh, I went through all the clearances, all the tests. They taught me like a fake language that I had to kind of wow. learn for a test. And they I love that you just call it spy. Yeah. Because it feels like people that were spies would be like, well, we don't, that's a little slang. That's like the movies. We like to go by da 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 yeah. No, you're full on spy. Yeah. You're just well, a I spy. Mean, you know, before my father passed away, I probably wouldn't have been yeah. as forthcoming. As, yeah. But now, does it matter? No, not really. Um, so you applied to be a spy. So I applied to be a spy. And I was sleeping on my sister's fold out chair in her bedroom with, she had a roommate too, who was a friend of ours. And uh, she was working, and I was temping at the National Catholic Educational Association okay. in Georgetown. 
So I, I lived in D.C. that year, kind of, and I was having all this dental work done. Right. So I go back to my parents, who then were in Laurel, Maryland, have the dental work done. It was horrible. And then come back to the city. I did some comedy there. Then I was like, I want to form the comedy group over the summer. And most of the guys I mentioned just now were a year younger. Right. And they had just graduated, and they didn't know what they were doing. So we got a house on the Cape and started performing. Then at the end of the summer, we're all like, this sounds fun. Let's keep it going. And, uh, and I had also applied to go to Second City. But my friend backed out on me in the last minute, so I didn't have anyone to move to Chicago with. Right. So, um, and I didn't want to move alone. It just seemed, you know, too far away or something. And so um, I said, let's keep it going. So we were on the beach in Hyannis. And uh, I said, you guys want to keep it going? And everyone's like, yeah, let's do it. We're like, all right, where are we going to move? And we're like, New York's too big, and Chicago has Second City. And my friend Tom said, I have a brother in Atlanta. And Wayne said, my parents are in Minneapolis, and they can help get us jobs and a house. And two of the people were from the Midwest, and they're like, we'll go get us a house. So we said, all right, when do we want to move? We took votes, and Minneapolis won. And then we said, when are we going to move? What a bold move for a, how many yeah. people? Uh, there were like six of us. And you're all like, okay, fine. We'll do yeah. this. We're going to do this together. Dumb, dumb, dumb. And we said, all right, when are we going to do it? We're like... September 15th. We're like, nah, that's too soon. Okay, October 1st. And then then it was October 15th, and then our friends went and got a house for us. And we lived next to Soul Asylum, remember the group Soul Yeah. They were our next-door neighbors. In Minneapolis. Yeah. And the Jayhawks, they lived together. So they were the rock and roll house. And And you were the comedy comedy house. house. And then we moved in, and we all just went out and got a job. And we saw a theater, we rented the theater, and... You were just in it. You guys were committed yeah. to it and in it with each other. Yeah. How wonderful. It was really was fun. Was that a fun time? It was amazing. Yeah. It was fun. And then after several years, we were all like hating each other because we lived together. Of course. You know, but like, like that yeah. first thing, it's like something that would happen in a movie, but you wouldn't yeah. believe it. Yeah. We're still all really good friends. Yeah. yeah. And how did that journey going to Minneapolis, how did that sort of set you on your way? Because you would obviously turn down the spy thing because yeah. of that. Well, yeah. That was a fun conversation to have. Yeah. Well, my parents. Wow. You're, you're like, I think I'm going to go live with six people in Minneapolis. And be, a, be an actor with my, you know, $100,000 education or whatever it was at the time. And all these student loans. And, yeah. You know, it was up to my eyeballs and debt. Yeah. Um, but my conversation wasn't the worst conversation. What was the worst? Uh, some friends of mine with their parents were like, what the hell are you talking? You know, you're a marketing major. What are you, yeah. what are you thinking? You know, That's in the meantime. Insane. Some of those people have gone on to really amazing success. Of course. But anyway, uh, then I went to Minneapolis and we performed and we did very well. And then I I did some shows. I played The Hobbit at the Children's Theater. We all broke up. People started moving to Chicago and other places. One went back to law school. uh, And one went to, Tom went to Yale and eventually Yale. Nancy went to Second City where she met Steve. Yeah. Pharrell. And, um, and... I started doing uh, plays, and then I started doing stand-up, and I was working, like, pretty... St- and then I did my own shows. I had a one-woman sound of music, and... A one-woman sound of music? Yeah, I, I did You've it. you got to bring that back. It's so hard. What, what's hard about it? It's hard to perform? Yeah, it's one person. I do... It's 50 minutes long, and I'm old. Uh, so you do every part? 
Yeah, it's funny. It's you not do, like musically. No, 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 no. But you do Maria, how Maria talks and how Liesl talks yeah, and how the yeah, mother pretty much. Talks. Yeah, yeah. The nuns. And so you do all the voices. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's not, you know. Yeah. But, it's not like listening to Rich Little or something. But No, it's, but it, you create it. Yeah, it's funny, I think. What I mean, it was your, a big What was hit. the most fun section of that? Well, there was one night I was doing it in Minneapolis. It was a huge hit, and I had to add all these shows. Oh, God, and I want you to bring that back. I know. Let's I, do a Kickstarter. So I know, my friend keeps One Woman that. Sound of Music. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I was thinking if I could get it together, maybe I could do it at the Gay and Lesbian Center for like, you know, a For weekend. sure. Yeah. All right. So I got to mull it around. I, I don't even have a transcript. Like I have an old VCR tape yeah. that I'd have to like. I have, a, I have a working VHS if you need. I have one. I okay. actually have one. All right. We're good. Uh, so anyway, um, what was it? Oh, the funnest one. So I had this crazy run of the show. Yeah. And I would make a ton of money, especially at that time, because it was one person. Yeah. And not so a lot of expenses. the stage manager was already getting paid. That was one person. Yeah. And it was, a, it was essentially, I had my own portable set. Yeah. Which... Um, it's basically a black box kind of yeah. thing anyway, with very little else. Yeah. Like a few other things. But, you know, it takes me about three minutes to, you know, get it, pull it together, pull that stuff together. And um, so I would bonus the stage manager, right? Yeah. And I got like, I think I got the entire door and you could eat and drink. Yeah. So the restaurant made money and they kept adding shows. So I would do sometimes like five, six shows in a weekend and I'd make like, I'd have like piles of cash in my That's head. amazing. Yeah. But anyway, so at the same time of one of the runs, um, Victor Victoria was in town. Right. They were testing it out before it went to Chicago, before it went to Broadway. The musical. Yes. And Julie Andrews was in town and she was staying at the Hilton Hotel. Oh, shit. So. <laughs> well, I hope this is going where I hope it's going. Well, <laughs> so, so <laughs> it's not bad though. It's good. So then we, I'm doing the show and the box office manager comes up to me and she's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I'm like, what? She said, we got a phone call to book, to save two seats for tonight's performance. And the callback number and the way they were speaking, we think it's Julie Andrews because the callback number is the Hilton Hotel. She's in town. It's on Sunday night. They had a matinee. Whatever. Total waiting for government. So front rows there. I call my friends. I say, I am so nervous. You guys have to come to the show. I'll get you in. I just need at least six people that I know. Because the one thing about doing a one-person show is it's kind of lonely. Like, yeah. you're, you're just nervous pacing downstairs. Yeah. I used to convince the stage manager to come downstairs and have a beer with me. Yeah. Because I, I couldn't just be alone yeah. in my thoughts. But I didn't want to be out with the crowd. Yeah. So anyway, so... So the, there's the front row. It's empty, 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 empty. And I'm like, fuck, god damn it. She's not coming. Oh. I think I wrote her a letter. Oh, that comes later. So this guy walks in. I'm on the edge of my seat. This guy walks in. It's not that. Sits down. And I'm like, and the other seat's empty. And I have to start the show. So I start the show. So afterwards, he comes running up to me and he says, he's a multiple, multiple Tony Award his name is Robin Wright. Robin, is that right? Robin. I keep thinking Williams and it's not Williams, but it, yeah. I think it's Robin Wright. Um, and he's like, oh, Julie was going to come, but 
she was so tired after the matinee that she couldn't. Oh. And I was like, fuck. And he said, she would have loved this. I said, does she see the, he goes, I have seen one, or, or parodies of The Sound of Music. And he said, this is the best one I've ever seen in my life. Wow. And I said, does she have a sense of humor about it? He goes, oh, yeah. Yeah. So it sort of was. And then he said, I think, then her assistant sent me a letter saying, Julie would like to meet you. Come to the show. She'd like to meet you afterwards. And unbeknownst to me, my then girlfriend, now wife, Lisa, had bought me tickets to see Victor Victoria because I love Julie Andrews. So we went. It was four and a half hours long. Four hours long. The show? The show. Holy shit. And by the end of it, everyone just split and had to leave, including me. And I, so I never met. But oh. years later, I was getting my makeup done for some movie I was in. Oh, Yes Man. Okay. With Jim Carrey. With Jim Carrey. And, and this guy says, uh, you know, Miley, Julie Andrews is going to be in here in a minute because she wasn't on the movie, but... She has to do an appearance, and I'm her makeup artist, so she's going to be in here. And I said, what? And she walked in with a bag of McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> yes! And sat down, and, and she, oh, uh, hi, I'm Julie. I said, I'm Miley. She goes, hello, Miley. Nice to meet you. Are you working on the, you know, whatever? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm just like, I'm going to, like, this is crazy. Right. I was just so, so starstruck. Of course. And so then, um. Someone said, Julie, do you want anything? Can I get you something from craft services? And she goes, um, I'll have a cup of tea. Miley, would you like a cup of tea? And I thought, okay, I've I, I, gone to heaven. Yeah, you're having tea with Julie Andrews. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Did you tell her that you did the one-woman show? I, I really didn't. She yes. was very nervous about her. She had to do something for PBS. Yeah. She didn't know her lines. Did you know that TCM is doing a screening coming up of The Sound of Music, and she's going to be there with Christopher Plummer? I it's have the to grand go. opening uh, film festival. I think I have it on my computer. I'll look it up before we leave. Oh wait, here we go. I'll open it. I've got it. I'll send it to you. She and Steve Carell have the same manager. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how did you end up in LA? I think it was with the play The Bad Seed. Yeah, right? I moved here with that. I was supposed to come three years earlier, but I ran out of money and I ditched Wayne Wilderson and left him with a moving truck and yeah, he had to move alone. Wow. Uh, but I moved out here with The Bad Seed. The Bad and- Seed was a really funny. Take on that play. Yeah, send yeah. up. And um, actually, when I moved here, I did The Sound of Music after Bad Seed every night. Oh, cool. I just did it for a short run here. Yeah. Um, was it daunting coming to L.A.? Were you ready for it? Was there anything about L.A. that was like, I, I don't know about it or what? I didn't know much. I had been here before just yeah. for a wedding. But I knew I wanted to move for many, three years previous, I yeah. knew I wanted to move, but I just didn't have any money. And um, uh, this opportunity, I was... You know, I was like, got to do it, you know. Yeah. Danny Schmitz and Audrey Hutchman, Peter Breitmeyer and Wayne Wilderson. And, you know, we all did it. Steve Alden and, you know, crazy stuff. But anyway, we moved into those apartments across from the smokehouse. You know, the Melody. Yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. I lived it's like in the there. Starlet or the yeah. Melody. Yeah. I lived in the Melody, I think. Right. And they were just like two to a room. So we'd switch from, we rented three or four apartments in there. Yeah. And I had the couch one week, and then the next week I get the bed in the bedroom. Wow. And I did that for like three months. But I knew I was going to live here, so I went looking for places to move to. Yeah. Uh, and then I moved. Officially, I went back, got my stuff. Lisa sold her restaurant and came So you guys were already together. We were you... together. We've been together since 95. Wow. That's yeah. fantastic. And oh. you moved here in what? 96. January 
We left on January 2nd. We drove in a caravan. And she was like a year in, ready to move. Yeah, she took a couple months. Well, yeah. I got back from seeing my parents at Christmas back to Minneapolis. And all my stuff in storage, all I lived out of was a suitcase. Because I'd been doing Sound of Music in Chicago. Yeah. Um, living on, you know, in a friend's extra room. And I had nothing. I, I don't even know where I got bills or... I don't know how anyone called me. I didn't have a beeper or a phone. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Like, like, you look back and go, how did I do... How did that work? Yeah. Yeah. Like, how did I pay my... Where did my bills go for my car insurance? Yeah. I, I don't remember any of that. But anyway, I didn't have any money anyway. But uh, I came back from Christmas and Lisa said I sold... Or she called me on the phone and said I sold my restaurant and I'm coming with you to LA. Oh my God. I was like, Whoa. How and romantic. It was romantic, but also a little... Like, holy shit. Like, we didn't really know each other yeah. as well as we probably should have. Right. But it was cool, and it's obviously worked out. Worked out. Yeah. yeah. Was there ever a point in these struggling days where you're like, this is bullshit. I need to get a real job so I can have a, my own apartment, or did, you, or did you always just go, no, this is what I want, and it's, it's fine? Um, you know, I've had a lot of jobs. Like, yeah. some were professional jobs, but I was able to go to... I used to work for Court TV and Discovery and... Production companies doing documentary and development research. Okay. Know. So, I mean, that was like a regular job. Yeah. But I would just sneak away to auditions. And, yeah. And finally they'd figure it out. Or like, I saw you on TV. You're an actor. Yeah. That's why you took a sick day or whatever. Right. But, right. Um, but by then I, I weasel my way in so much they didn't want to let go of me. Was there a... No, there was never a time. I And when I moved to LA... You never thought about giving up or doing something no. else? No. I got here on January 6th or whatever it was. I was like, I'm home. Really? You liked it right away? Absolutely. What did you like about it? Everything. Yeah. yeah. The weather, the people, the... the... I had grown up in a very multicultural environment and went to schools that were very mixed racially. And, right. And, you know, Minnesota was... Minneapolis is, is mixed. It's great. But it's still its own little island there. Yeah. And, you know... You like the diversity here. I like the diversity. I like the diversity in culture and food. And yeah. I like the fact that, you know, one day you're working for Dick Clark Productions, driving around. And then I gave that in my Emmy speech. I said, uh, when I got up to speak and I was at the last table by the yeah. door. Yeah. There's so no it's way like, they, they, didn't, they clearly didn't pick you to win. Yeah. They didn't. Yeah. They would have brought a golf cart if they thought you were going to win. Uh, yeah. I, I thought I might when they came and asked how to pronounce my name, though. Wow, that's nice. Yeah. And also my agents came. I was nominated again the next year and they didn't come, so yeah. I don't know if someone tipped them off. I don't know. But anyway, anyway so uh, <laughs> I got up on stage and I said, uh, 10 years ago, I I was working the daytime Emmys. Yeah. I worked at, for Dick Clark Productions on the inserts for the daytime Emmys. Yeah. And I was working like as a set PA. Yeah. Hauling around plants and shit. <laughs> and that sucked. That really sucked. Because yeah. I had also been producing stuff in Minnesota, so I was right. like, ugh. That, I felt was, like you're going backwards a little bit. It did, but I didn't want to leave. But I got up there and I said, you know, 10 years ago, I was working the daytime Emmys, and now I won an Emmy. Oh, that's amazing. And when I went back through the back, all the waiters and waitresses gave me a standing ovation because I said that. That's so cool. Yeah, because they were all actors. That must have been an amazing moment. It's It was. It must have been amazing. Life-changing, yeah. And was Lisa with you? And it, oh yeah, oh. yeah. And when you when you were in LA, starting to go around, was there one job or one opportunity or one something that that sent you on the way that sort of so sort of changed the game for you, or was it just this job and then a little bit more and then a little bit I more? I kind of worked really hard at inching my way up the yeah. ladder. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
you always think it's going to be something, and then those things don't turn out to be any. Right. I've done pilots where I'm like, this is it. Yeah. Or, you know, I was on the class, and they loved me, and they were going to keep writing for me, you know. Yeah. And that show got canceled. Like, yeah. I did a huge pilot that I, I was like, I got a recurring role on this pilot. Yeah. And that ended after three episodes. You know, right. I don't know. How do you keep yourself from, like, going to that place of, like, oh, my God, if this goes, and then it goes into syndication, and then I can do da 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 and I'll be, you know what I mean? How do you keep yourself, because every audition could be that in a way. I kind of, I mean, someone asked me, like, I go into every audition thinking I'm going to get it. Every single one. Every That's amazing. One. Yeah. And I don't, but I think I'm going to get every That's single one. That's the best thing to think. Yeah. Did, was that just innate, or was that a decision that nah, you decided, decision, I need to think I, that way? I, it just started happening over time. Yeah. And, like, I get on a veil a lot more than I'm, or on hold than I get. Yeah. Um, but, like, so about the disappointing thing, you know, every once in a while you fall for it. You yeah. know, like, I had a an audition for a great part on, um, what the heck was it? Maybe the Millers recently or something. It was like you read my name. Yeah. Like in the description. It's almost like we want a Miley Flanagan type. Yeah. Yeah. It, it could have said that. Right? Yeah. I nailed it. The casting guy was falling over laughing. Right. Uh, I also had a Madman audition. Madman. Yeah. Audition like that too. Yeah. And they asked me to come back and read a different part even. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, my friend Mo Collins was there and she was like, you got this, man. Yeah. And I didn't get it. So once in a while you do, I mean... Recently, I did a commercial. Commercials, they kind of don't treat you that great. Right. As respectfully as other things. Right. But, you know, on commercials, they'll string you along really far. And you go down that road a little bit. Yeah. I don't know why I don't go down it more for TV and film, but... Now, I was looking at your um, IMDb, and you've mm. done some really cool movies. 500 Days of Summer, yeah, Yes, Dear, fun. Evan Almighty, I remember. Yeah. But And sometimes some of your roles are, like, described in a funny way, like... Um, Gas Woman in sauna. Yeah. What's that's the weird... That's what's, for weeds. Yeah. What's the weirdest na- title that you've been? I did a movie with Reese Witherspoon and Paul Rudd. Yeah. Right after I moved here, I had to fly back to Minnesota on my own dime to be a local hire. Yeah. She got it, though. Yeah. I had a scene in the cold, and it was before they were both really, really famous. Yeah. She had done, like, one movie. She was yeah. really young. And he had done not, as, not very yeah. much either. And certainly not a household name by then. Yeah. So we're doing a scene in the freezing cold and out by a highway and, um, oh my God, it was so cold and so hard to hear. I couldn't hear. I'm supposed to interrupt an argument that they had. Right. But no one thought to give me a cue light or anything because I can't hear it. Right. Because we're filming by a highway. Right. And they're arguing and I'm supposed to walk in <coughs> on a certain point in their line. I can't hear a word that they're saying. Right. But anyway, it was, that was kind of tricky. Um, you, you won't, you barely see me in the movie because all my lines got cut because yeah. I couldn't interrupt them because I couldn't hear them. Right. Which was kind of humiliating. What uh, was the movie called? Oh, God, I just looked it up. Um, It'll come to me. I'll yeah, announce yeah. it over the directed closing. directed by the guy named, who did Biodome. Okay. I don't think he's directed a movie since. All right. I think he produces, but anyway, it, and I, my title was Gas Jockey. Gas Jockey. <laughs> What does that mean? Like you were at the gas station? I was station. a gas pump. Girl. All right. That's good. Woman in sauna, gas jockey. What else? Yeah. Those are pretty good. Yeah. Um, now, what was, um, let me look at, look at, oh, um, oh, here we go. What the hell was the name of that movie? I know. 
Um, one of your earliest credits on Mad TV is you play Chastity Bono. Yeah. And have you met Chaz? Was it, was it? No. You know, I have been at so many gay events. Yeah. Like those, you know, the HRC dinners mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. Because a lot of my friends give me tickets. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly. And, um, I don't think I've ever met Chaz, but I've certainly seen him yeah. around a lot. But you play Chastity on Mad TV. What yeah. Before... Sketch? Like Chastity as a child, even yeah. though as a grown up. Yeah. And Mo Collins picked me up. Oh, so you did like a Sunny and Cher parody? Yeah, and you she were was Chastity? Cher. She used to do Cher. And she literally picked you up? She would pick me I don't know how she did it. I was definitely lighter then. Like, I didn't weigh as much as I do now, but I was like, how are you picking me up? <laughs> like, holding me at the end of the show. Like, like she used, she used to, to do. Yeah. So cute. I think it's on YouTube. But, I love that. But the weirdest thing about that was I walked into Revolver yeah. once. The gay video bar in West yeah. Hollywood. And. All these people were like, oh my God, it's Chaz. And I had been on, playing on an endless loop as part of like, you know, they used to do Oh, they do like, videos? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mine was one of the clips. Wow. So people recognized me. For, that was the first time I was ever recognized for anything. That's so random in a gay bar in West Hollywood. Yeah. What do people, I bet you get like, you look familiar. I bet you get that can't place you quite thing. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of that now because yes. of the Disney show that I'm on. Yes. And the weirdest thing is this Geico commercial, like... I've been working very steadily for 20 years yeah. on war, but 20 years on camera a lot. But the, I went to check in to Granville the other day, and the young two kids that were hosting were like, we know you. Yeah. You're a regular here. And I was like, no, I've never been here. Yeah. And they were like, no, we know. We know you. Yeah. And then I was like, uh, I mean, a Geico ad. But not, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or they know me from Lab Rats on yeah. Disney. Or, yeah, but now everyone thinks that they own now, you, you said your parents passed away, but were they alive long enough to see you really sort of take off with your career and stuff? Yeah, enough. Enough. They, they saw Enough this. to be like, okay, this, she's going to be okay. This wasn't a huge yeah, mistake. They both, they both, yeah, they both saw Miami. Yeah. They weren't there, but... They know was, you want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. And they saw it because they, they would... It was great because I bought this house and they would both come out and stay for like a month oh, each year. Or maybe six weeks or maybe twice for three weeks. I love that. And they got, they love this house. Yeah. They love, yeah, they knew. I mean. Now, a good portion of your work has to do with children's stuff. I know. Is that, does it feel random or does it make sense to you or do you like being around kids or do kids. I do like being around kids. Want to know about it or do the voice or what's the Yeah, they all do. Um, Yeah. The weirdest thing is being around the on-camera kids have no idea about my cartoon work. Yeah. And the cartoon people don't know very much about my. On yeah, camera work. And it might blow their mind if you yeah. tried to... Like, I was on Shameless. I had a recurring role yeah. for two years. And the kid, you know, the red-headed kid mm-hmm. on Shameless, uh, Cameron, his name is, yeah. real life. So I wasn't in any scenes with him, but I was in a scene where we were playing softball. My character with Emmy Ross's character. Yeah. And the kids were there watching. So I didn't really, I didn't really interact with them, but they were kind of cheering, you know? Yeah. But we're waiting to film, standing there waiting, whatever. And that kid, it was, I don't know how old he was at the time, 17, he's like, hey. And he's on a huge show. And he's a wonderful actor. And I hadn't really met him. He goes, so, uh, you do the voice of Naruto, huh? And I said, uh-huh. And he goes, I used to watch that when I was little. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's too cold for yeah, it now. He's 16, you know. Yeah. But, uh, I get a lot of that. Like, people, I'll be on a sitcom, like Mike and Molly. And they'll be like, oh, yeah. Oh, you do cartoons? What cartoon? And then I'll, I'll tell them, they'll be like, what? 
you know. My kids love that. Yeah. yeah. Or they love it. Or they love it. Yeah. Now, you've done, like, conventions and stuff, too, right? Yeah, I just booked two more. One for uh, Manchester and one for Glasgow in the summer and fall. And they're conventions for cartoon voices? Sometimes they're, like, Comic-Cons. Sometimes they're just cartoons. But usually it's, like, a Comic-Con kind of thing. So there'll be horror, sci-fi. I've had some weird runs in airports with people, like, you know, like... I was just in Australia this summer, and I'm in a van with one of the guys that used to play James Bond, um, Rose McGowan, <laughs> the lead from Arrow, and a guy from Game of Thrones. And you're all in a van and together. We, yeah, we're all just, you know. Who's the, which Saul James guy. Bond? Timothy Dalton? No, no, old, old guy. Roger Moore? No, no, older. George Lazenby? Yes. Okay. So it's you, Rose he McGowan? He was kind of too. <laughs> he was like kind of an old man pervy. He was probably hitting on uh, Rose McGowan. He hit on everyone, yeah. except for me. Yeah. I was invisible because I'm a yeah. dyke or something. I don't know. I was, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It was like, oh, I'm not even trying with her. Yeah. Now, Rose McGowan, you, George Lazenby, and like a game of and you're driving to and the convention center? Katie Cassidy, who's, who's David Cassidy's daughter. Oh, wow. And she's on Arrow, and I said, oh, yeah. I said, oh, Somehow it came out that her dad's David Cassidy. I don't watch Arrow. I don't know who she is. Yeah. And uh, I said, oh. I said, oh, that's funny. I said, I played Danny Bonaduce at this show <laughs> called The Mismatch Game, a live show. And here's what she did. She goes, huh. That was it. She wasn't having it. It wasn't the, it wasn't the icebreaker. Yeah. David Cassidy is coming to town, and I, tickets are $25, and I think I might go. Oh, I would go. Would you totally go? Yeah. I'll send you the link. Maybe yeah. we make a night out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she was lovely, but yeah. she... She wasn't... No. She didn't want to go into the Partridge Family lore. No. 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 What are those conventions like? And is, is it, do you, is it you know lucrative? What? Is it fun? It's lucrative. I... Most people charge for autographs. I don't. I could probably make a lot more money charging, but I don't believe in it, because most of my... Uh, people that come to see me, at least in the past, now they've grown up a lot because I've been doing this Naruto show for 10 years. Yeah. But a lot of them are kids and I just feel weird about that. You know? Yeah. I don't judge anyone else who does it, but I just, it's not my thing. So I get a fee from the convention itself. Yeah. Um, and you and, go to these amazing places. Well, yeah, I'm kind of picky. Like a lot of my friends go a lot. Yeah. And they, they do well with the conventions, but a lot of them just do cartoons and it's easier to schedule cartoons, you know. Yeah. The voiceovers, a couple hours, you know. But for me, I do a lot of on camera, and it's hard to... You need to be here. I got to be here, especially yeah. in the fall and the yeah. spring. So I only go to places where either they throw a pile of cash at me, or I really want to go. And part of my contract, thanks to my lovely agent, Pat Brady, is that um, they, they always fly my wife and, and I. You make a getaway of it. That's amazing. Yeah, I only go to like... Like, if they offer me one in, you know, it's like, oh, I'd like to go to Manchester. Yeah. We have a friend there. I wanted to go to Sydney my whole life. I wanted to go to Australia. Fantastic, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's fun. They put you up in really great hotels, usually, and per diem. And That's amazing. And when you're there, what are you doing? Talking to people? Signing things? I, I are you... sign a lot. Like, yeah. in Sydney, two other people from my show, Naruto, were there with me. Yuri Lowenthal, who plays Sasuke, is another lead on the show. Yeah. And Tara, his wife, who's also on the show... And we signed 12,000 posters, maybe. Wow. It was an enormous convention. That was over the course of three days in Sydney. We probably did eight, maybe 8,000 in Sydney and then another 5,000 in Perth. Wow. But then we had the whole week off in between. Yeah. To rest just, your arm, to rest yeah, your hand. Yeah. It was, and then they do panels, like Q&A panels. Yeah. 
That's so interesting. It's so great to have that outlet, right? And Yeah. And you know, people are the same all over the world. Like the anime fans are the same. They just have different accents. In Dublin, they're the same as they are. And what are they like? Kind of nerd, you know, nerds, yeah. proud of it. Yeah. They should be. And What's the craziest thing you ever saw at one of those conventions? Oh, I've seen so much. Uh, I mean, you name it. Yeah. I've seen crazy outfits. You know, entire platoons of stormtroopers. Just walk by. Just walk through. <laughs> one time, I was going into the Sparks game, and uh, my buddy has rock star seats because she's right. a superstar. And so we had floor seats, right. which means we had parking right next to the venue. And it was when Anime LA was going on, yeah. but they didn't invite me. Even though it's in LA, I, yeah. they never invited me, so I don't go, you Because yeah. I'm not going to ask them. It's like, well, they can ask me and right. I'll I, go. Yeah. So I'm walking into the basketball game and I look over and I realize, oh, it's Anime LA. And there are 45 people dressed as my character lining up for a picture. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I didn't walk over and be like, hey, I played the boys. Yeah. I wouldn't have gotten into the They wouldn't game. have let you in. Yeah. There were but, four, yeah. Wow. And I've had lots of shots of me with 25 people dressed as my character. Wow. Yeah. I met some really interesting people, too. That's yeah. crazy. Did any of them get weird or stalkery or... Yeah. A little bit? You know, it's weird. I've had a lot of really emotional people, and now it's all... Um, there are a lot of, like, 22, 23-year-old guys... They come up, for some reason, my character, who's an outcast and an orphan, reaches out to a lot of kids that feel like they're outcasts. Now, is the character male or female? Male. Male. Yeah. How many guys do you play? Have you... Is Mostly that guys. Mostly guys. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Like, today I did a pilot for Nick, and I was a boy. Yeah. Uh, all my pilots I did this year, I was boys. Wow. But I'll do... I'm on a recurring show, Pig Goat, Banana Cricket, and I'll do mostly boys, and then... The shopkeeper or something. You know? Yeah. So you're talking about guys that would come up to so you. So they come up to me and they'll be like really emotional. And these are young men, like 23, 25, 22. And they'll be like, you know, they'll be real shy at first. They'll ask for an autograph and then they'll kind of stand there. And they'll be like, you know, uh, I was having a really hard time in my life. Oh my God. And this character really reached out to me. And or they'll, I've had people stand up at a huge convention in Baltimore with... At a panel where I had a thousand people come listen to me do the Q&A and talk, stand up and say I was suicidal. And yeah, and start crying. Yeah. That's intense. It is intense. When you're doing voiceovers in a studio, I I imagine when you're in a place, sometimes you get really lost in it and it's really moving and you feel the story and it's cathartic. Do you ever have those moments when you're in a studio doing the voiceover? Yeah. Naruto is, it's funny, but it's can be really dark and emotional. And yeah. I've had to have, do some scenes with dying and death. and Yeah, I've cried, like, you know, or just gone into this really, just in the booth. Just, I may, I've had to cry and then started really crying in the yeah. booth. You know. Wow. Um, which sounds really actory. No, but, but you're telling stories. Yeah, you're yeah. playing a character. So yeah. things are moving. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And I noticed that you have some Star Wars stuff on your IMDb. Oh. I don't know who put those on there. They were promos. Oh, I, so they're not real? Because I was like, what's that like, being in that universe? So you're not... It, I was in the universe, but they were basically these promos that they wrote. Yeah. A character interacted with the kids on the other shows and Stormtroopers. I think one of the Stormtroopers put it up there because he wanted credits. Ah. And... Because I'm like, they weren't really... 
movie, yeah. you know, they yeah. were promos. So you're not a Star Wars, you're not as in that Star Wars world as much as it might, it might seem like. No, no. I love that. All right, you picked some cards from our observation deck. Yeah. What's your favorite waste of time? Uh, I spend my whole summer in my pool shooting basketball hoops into my hoop in the pool. I love it. Well, you have a wonderful pool. Yeah. Sometimes I put on flippers. Yeah. And I speed around the pool in my flippers and shoot baskets. That's amazing. It's why? So why are the baskets? Why the, the basket makes it more fun? Yeah. Okay. I'm in there by myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a total weirdo, Dennis. You I know love that. I know. Yeah. What was your worst audition? Um. Well, there are a couple, but I have a lot. But there was one. Um. I remember I went a long time ago to audition for. Uh, Jesus, what the hell was the name of the show? Not Gilmore Girls, because they were nice. They were my friends. Anyway, one of those shows. Something like that. And I, I walked in. Let's say Touched by an Angel, but it wasn't that. And I get to the Fox lot, and I'm there, and it's me, a bunch of guys that are like kind of cholo kind of guys, yeah. and a bunch of young models, and then me. And there's a sign-in that says a thing, and we all sign in. We're waiting in this room. It says, sign in here for whatever it is. And we sit there for an hour and nothing happens. And then this woman comes down and berates us. She's like, what are you doing in here? We're all like, well, this says room 215 and it says to sign in. You're in the wrong room. The audition's moved upstairs. And we're like, well, how are we supposed to know that? Right. So we go upstairs and the two casting people are in there and they're eating lunch. And the woman's like, sorry, we're eating, but, um, sorry, we're eating, but you guys kept us. Oh, the three women before me came out crying, young girl models. Holy like we made them cry. Shit. And then I walked in and they were eating and they were like, sorry, but you guys were in the wrong room. We waited an hour and a half for you guys. And we were all there. Right. It's like, go down. Why did we sign in the right sign? In? Yeah. And, and so, uh. It wasn't your fault. I know. And I go, I go, well, sorry, we were there. <laughs> Nobody told us you guys changed rooms. Okay, begin. And it was just horrible. Another one was, I waited two hours and 45 minutes to audition for, um, getting on. Yeah. And it just was long. I don't know why. It was, and it was 100 degrees that day. Yeah. The only place to sit outside, there were all these bees, and I'm allergic to bees. And I'm in a suit, like a business suit. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was horrible. And so I go in. The casting people are nice. The people are nice. But the, they said, oh, I just saw you in something. And I said, oh, probably shameless. It just aired. You know? Yeah. And, uh, they, and the, one of the guys says, sorry about the wait. Sorry about the wait. You know, but it's a beautiful day, isn't it? I go, it's kind of hot. <laughs> and I, I think I shouldn't have said anything. Like, you, know, you should never answer those questions. Right, exactly. Like, it's kind of hot. But you're, you're dying to because you've just been like suffering. Yeah, and I, I'm like, it's kind of hot and yeah. there are a lot of bees out there. He goes, but we need the bees, don't we? And I go, well, I'm allergic. And he goes, well, let's start. Like, oh, fuck. Of course I didn't get that done. But, but both of your stories were about like just rude, fucked up situations that weren't exactly about the actual audition. I've never... Have I ever gone up in a... Oh, one time I was auditioning. Nah, nothing really yeah, horrible. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right. We talked about this a little bit, but what does your family think of your success? Um, they love it, though. It's so funny. I mean, I could... Like, I get calls like, Oh, my God, you're in this movie? I didn't know you were in that. And I'm like, I told you, like, a yeah. hundred times. Yeah. Or the best one is always... They're always like, Oh, yeah. My friend says you're really funny on Lab Rats. I'm like, You have not watched one episode? Yeah. I've done 40 episodes. Like, <laughs> could you watch? I know you don't have kids, but it's What are they into that you did? Because there's a, my mom, there was always that one thing that she liked better than anything else I ever did. And it was like the most random thing. Oh. Uh, what are they into? 
no. Yeah. They all came to see me in voice lessons and they loved that. All right. That's awesome. They and everyone came, else We did it in New York and they came. Oh, you did it in New York? Yeah, my dad had already passed, but my mom flew down to New York and everybody came yeah. and that was super exciting. I mean, it was off Broadway. Yeah. That, that was, to me, that was a huge thing to perform in New York. Of course. Yeah. Uh, worst job you ever had? I had to clean out a luau pit after they barbecued a pig in it. My brother and I. It was like a summer job on a break from college. In Hawaii? No. No, this was in Munich and they dug a pit on a... They used to run these exercises (laughs) called Reforger. They were top secret exercises. They bring in all these people. They used our school, our high school, because it was summer. This is back in the spy world. Spy world. And my brother and I could work for them as summer jobs because... My dad had top secret clearance. Yeah. So they know we could, you know, we could work. Yeah. Right? Because we weren't going to talk. Right. So we would work in like the kitchen or whatever. Right. But it was only for a couple of weeks. But the pay was pretty good because they had to pay that much because it was only a couple of weeks. Yeah. And you had to have this clearance. So one day we had to clean out this old, it was all pig guts and <laughs> barbed wire. And it was hot. We were like picking out the barbed wire and putting dirt back in a hole. It's like filling oh. in a Oh, that's Brave. rough. Yeah. That is rough. Uh, if there was a doll of you that talked, what would it say when you pulled the string? I have one. I love that. And it sings in my voice in an Irish How accent. many different um, things does it does it do? Just one. Oh, just, just the one thing? Yeah. Can we play it into the microphone? Yeah, can, can you pull the string? Can, can you I go grab it? it? All right, yeah. hang on. All right. Hope the, sometimes when the batteries are low, it sounds like I'm really slow or drunk. <sighs> this is so adorable. Isn't that cute? What is... Who would thought this? Your life would be like I'm yeah. this guy. I know. I love doing that show. It was yeah. amazing. It's got okay. cobwebs all over it. Okay, yeah, so let's see if I can turn tell it us on. the name of the character again. It's called Jakers: The Adventures of Piggly Minks. Okay. See how these crazy. And this was the one you won the Emmy for. Yeah. It kind of dances too. Oh wow. Oh, I think I squeezed his hand. Oh, yeah. Okay. Did the battery die? Maybe. That's adorable. Is that fun? How cool is that? I haven't listened to that in years. I know. And that's you, and you sang it one take? God, no. Yeah. And you know, the people I was with. It's Tara Strong, who does a million cartoons. Yeah. And sings, like, Broadway caliber voice. Right. You know. And Brucey Taylor, who uh, is another animation superstar and right. is the voice of Minnie Mouse. And they both can sing, for right. real. And I can't. I'm not trained. I can read music, kind of. and Right. But I'm not a singer. So they changed the key on me in between yeah. when they gave me the tracks to listen to at home. And it was like, oh, my God. Oh, God. I just got it down the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Okay, have you ever been starstruck? Yeah, um, I was starstruck a couple times. Once I was flying back from a gig at Universal and um, uh, at Universal Florida, and they fly you first class if you fly a certain distance. Yeah. And across the aisle for me was Ringo Starr. Oh my god! And I'm not a huge Beatles fan, but it was Ringo friggin' Starr, man. Right. And uh, I was starstruck, and to watch the parade, they finally had to shut down the cabin because. People were coming up and weeping 
to him, yeah. weeping, weeping. And then when we walked through LAX, it was before 9-11, um, it, I was right behind him, you know, going towards luggage claim, which he didn't claim his luggage. He just had his bodyguard. He left his wife behind, like Barbara, right? Whatever yeah, Barbara Bach. Yeah. And he just took off because he knew what was coming. Yeah. So I'm walking through LAX a long way, and it was like Moses. On the other side of me, everyone was right behind him, and all you heard was, Ringo Starr, Ringo Starr, Ringo Starr, Ringo Starr, Ringo Starr, Ringo Starr. Like thousands of people uttering it as he walked by. It and that's crazy. every day of his life. Every day. And then he got in his limo right away. His bodyguard was going to get his stuff. And all these guys with drum heads were following him. And I, they must have known he was flying back from somewhere. Or yeah. Busted. And uh, he didn't acknowledge them, didn't ignore them. And right before he left... He like reached, rolled down the window or maybe, I don't think he got up, he kind of got out of the car and said, okay, now. And then took a pen and just did all 15 of them and they got right back in and they left. Boom. So he gave them what they needed. He did, but it was, it was like, it was very strategic. Okay, now. Yes. And it was like the fast, fastest ever. Do you yeah. ever, you, you work with famous, super famous actors all, all the time. time yeah. You're starting to get more and more well known. What do you think about the idea of being more famous? Do you like kind of where you're at in terms of what you get to do and... Um, no, just I would like about to do work. more. I mean, yeah. it, you know, the, for me, auditioning is getting easier because the room is warmer because they do know a little bit. Right, more. right, right. But there's a point where you do your best work when you're auditioning because people aren't going to be like they already know who you are, so they want to they want to know. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't crave that fame that Steve has, where you can't go places. You know, or, Steve Carell. Yeah, or, or my buddy Wanda Sykes. I'm good friends yeah. with. Like. I go out with her a lot, and we go to the same places over and over again because it's comfortable. Um, But I've been with her in a lot of places where it gets crazy. You know, like the Abbey. Yeah. Like, forget about it. Yeah. Forget it. Forget it. Yeah. No, it's not. And I'm just like, oh, this is not fun, you know. Um, But, so I don't crave that at all. Yeah. But I crave the ability to just, you know, I want to... I really want to be a series regular on a sitcom. That's, that would be the dream gig if the phone right now, tomorrow. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I would love that. Yeah, it's also. It's I would like, love that for you. You seem it's it's of the TV world. Yeah, yeah, like it's the easiest gig, man. Yeah, and you get a live audience, so it's like doing a play. Yeah, but you can screw up. Yeah, so you'd like to do like a, a three camera kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, traditional, yeah. traditional old school yeah. sitcom as opposed to like a single. Yeah, yeah, awesome. I would love that. Yeah. Um, last question. What about your life now would blow the mind of, like, 13-year-old Miley? I think that I lived in a house with a swimming pool. Yeah. I owned. Yeah. Yeah, when I bought a house in L.A., I was living in Los Feliz in an apartment, and I said, I am not buying a house in California unless it has a pool. Yeah. And I think I could have never imagined that I would... Well, I never thought I was going to be an actor. I thought I was going to be a politician or a lawyer or a spy. So wow. I don't think any of this, I would have imagined any, I wouldn't have imagined any of this when I was 21. Yeah. Yeah. When you were already pursuing sort of comedy and stuff. I was just doing that as an extracurricular. Yeah. Thing. I never would have thought it. Yeah. Ever. That I'd live in LA, that I'd be making my living as an actor, have an Emmy, have a swimming pool. And a doll that sings. And be gay. And be gay. <laughs> Has that ever been a factor in your career? Yeah. In terms of auditions or anything like that? No. I don't think. I think most people know. I mean, I don't think they care. Right. I don't know. Commercials, they never think I'm gay. The minute I say that, people are like, what? Every time I go on a commercial set. Do you sometimes say it? 
Yeah. Oh, on the set. Yeah. On the set. I don't yeah. stand in You'll the say room. my wife or whatever. Yeah. 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 That happens to me on every show I do. Yeah. Because I think they think I'm just some Midwestern. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm exactly opposite of what they think I am. That's what I play. Yeah. Exactly opposite, always. That's so funny. So when I, because they'll see my ring. Yeah. Like, you know, the costume, like, oh, what's your husband do? I'm like, oh, my wife. You know. So you say it. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Good. But then it goes all around the set. Yeah. It goes all around the set. Really? Because like, so, 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 so. then I'll walk up and then everyone yeah. does that thing. It's like, oh, so what does your wife do? How yeah. long have you guys been together? And then everyone asks if you get yeah. married. and Yeah. You know, but, but you tell one person and the whole crew knows. Yeah. I mean, within. Yeah. It's hilarious to me. All right. Yeah. Well, go see Miley and Voice Lessons. And it's so good. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll put the link, uh, or I'll mention the link when I do my outro. Awesome. Um, I used to love going to the Justin Tanner place because there was always a hangout afterwards. What Do you have an after-show hang ritual? Because that's part of the fun, right? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And Lori in French really enjoy it. Lori, Lori enjoys it. Which yeah. is funny because she's not, um, she's a little bit, she's a shy person. Right. But she, she really loves her couple glasses of wine, after, red wine after the show. And you hang out. And we hang out. We hang out with our friends that come see the show. Yeah. It's usually in the lobby. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. We don't usually go to a restaurant. Remember the cast used to have that beer garden? Yeah, I have the beer machine. From it? I from love it. it. It's an old Pepsi machine full of beer. I love it. Gosh, Still full of back. beer. Still full of beer. Yeah. I love that. All right. Thank you so much, Miley. Thank you I for learned so me. much about you that I didn't know. Oh, damn. You were almost a spy. Yeah, right? Holy shit. That's what I should put under special skills. That's r- I think so. It's better than like juggling or something. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Miley. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Miley Flanagan. Go see her in voice lessons. It runs February 7th through February 22nd in Atwater Village. You can learn about it at plays411.com, and you can also get your tickets there. Okay, so this happened. I went and saw The Boy Next Door with uh, Brett and his friends Ainsley and Justin, who are all delightful, and let me just tell you, that movie is everything you want it to be. Okay, I keep track of everything I see in a little notebook, and I give it a score from 1 to 10, based on how much I enjoyed it, this got a 10. I couldn't not give it a 10 if I had that much fun at the movies. Like, there should be a different barometer for, like, um, sort of pulpy movies that just deliver. It knows exactly what movie it is. Um, I cheered after the sex scene, which is really hot. I feel like I haven't had a, a hot sex scene in a while. The dude in it, Ryan Guzman, is super hot, and the camera loves him. The camera molests him at every turn. J-Lo is great uh, at being J-Lo. I'm having a genesis right now. I kind of love J-Lo. I love to look at her. I love to watch her HBO concert special over and over again. Just to see the dancers. And, like, I don't know. I'm having a genesis. And you can either jump aboard or not. I don't care. Um, there are things that happen in this movie... Christian Chenoweth gets called a C-word, which is probably good news for a few of you out there. And, like, it's one of those things where, oh, she could elbow him in the gut, but no, she's going to stick her finger through his eye. Like, they go there. It was everything that uh, No Good Deeds movie didn't want to be. Like, it knows, The Boy Next Door knows what movie it is, and it's owning it. And there was a girl in the movie who played, like, the teenage son's love interest. She looks a little like Taylor Swift. 
And um, I looked up her name. Let me see if I can find it. Because it's important. Um, and the reason it's important... Oh, her name is Lexi Atkins. The reason it's important is because she was in our screening. She was there with some friends. And let me tell you, the audience was going nuts. They were screaming and laughing and cheering. And there's some corny dialogue. And, of course, your mother's cookies, which is what uh, Dave White of A Linoleum Knife thinks the film should be called. So, anyway, Lexi was there... And I saw her afterwards, and I got my picture with her, and I said, and she said there wasn't a premiere. Like, um, this was the first time she saw it with some friends. She did say some stuff got cut out, but that she had fun, and that was fun to make. And um, so if Lexi blows up, well, I can say I was there at, the, at her premiere of The Boy Next Door at the Arclight on Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. All right, that's it. Go see it. It delivers. And if you have a little notebook, give it a 10. I'll enable you if you'll enable me. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. Check out DennisAnyone.net, and we will see you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.